The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics Welcome to Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Today's special guest, Dr. Tracy Phillips. <laughs> All right. And uh, Tracy, feel free to jump in whenever. I, I tend to ramble a little bit. Remember, you're not interrupting. You are contributing. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I will say this. We got a lot to talk about today. So we're just going to jump into the meat and potatoes of it. Um, last week, well, uh, Saturday, I started talking about the Voting Rights Act and, uh, I was talking about Texas, right? So I want to jump over to, uh, Florida. Now, there was one thing I wasn't really able to find out, but I'll, I'll talk about it anyway. Okay. Let's talk about poll tax. Okay. The basic definition of a poll tax is a tax levied on every adult without reference to income or resources, okay? The purpose of a poll tax was to keep black people and poor people from voting because according to the laws, if you owed money, you couldn't vote. So this is from uh, house.gov's history section. On August 27th of 1962, the house passed the 24th amendment outlawing the poll tax as a voting requirement in federal elections by a vote of 295 to 86 at the time, five states maintained, a, uh, maintained poll taxes, which disproportionately affected African-American voters. That was Virginia, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Texas. The poll tax exemplified Jim Crow laws developed in the post-Reconstruction South, which aimed to disenfranchise black voters and institute segregation. Some critics of the legislation thought the amendment did not go far enough to, to protect black voting rights. Now, of course, that was rectified a few years later. Um, we all know, oh, well, right. So let's jump into Florida present day, okay? This is from NPR uh, from a couple months back. In 2018, nearly two thirds of, Florida, of the Florida electorate voted to amend the state constitution and allow felons to vote. The amendment applied to felons who had completed their parole or probation periods, and it did not apply to those convicted of murder or sexual offenses. The referendum was something of an end run around the Republican controlled state legislature, and its passage meant that some 1.4 million felons in the state would be eligible to vote. It had bipartisan support outside of the legislature from both conservative and liberal groups. The GOP-controlled legislature, however, sought to limit the effects of the amendment by passing a law that conditioned the right to vote on payment of all fees, fines, and restitution that were part of the sentence in each felon's case. The state, however, had no central listing of this information, and the legislature created no system to help felons ascertain how much, if anything, they owed. 
Even the state ultimately agreed that it would take six years to create such a system. Now, to me, you know, going over the, uh, the Civil Rights Act and of course the 24th Amendment, I always thought that any financial hurdle placed in your way to keep you from voting was a poll tax. Now, I would think that in this day and age, you couldn't get away with something like that. It may just all be a matter of semantics because the 24th Amendment specifically says taxes. These are fines and fees and that may just be, uh, it may just be splitting hairs. It may not be exactly be, you know, to me it's the same thing. They may not think so. Plus the Supreme Court would not hear this case. So they opted to not, to kick it back down to the lower courts. So of all the people in the world who offered to pay all the fines for all the felons in Florida so they could vote, Mike Bloomberg, <laughs> you know how I feel about Mike Bloomberg. You know how I feel like taking things from him is like taking things from the devil because you're gonna have to pay back one way or another. So in typical Bloomberg fashion, even though this would cost a tiny fraction of his vast fortune, he's raising the money. So he's not gonna just pay it. He's doing fundraisers and all this other BS to raise the money, but that's neither here nor there. Florida Republicans are accusing Bloomberg of bribing Floridians for votes. Now, in the same month, Trump stated that he planned on, I don't know how far he could even go with this, even if he even has the, the means to do this. He stated that he wanted to give seniors right around election time, each a $200 cash card for Medicare. Right around the time of the election, because right now Trump is getting trounced, trounced in the polls by seniors. So seniors overwhelmingly voted for Trump in 2016. Now they're abandoning him. And they're doing so mainly because of COVID-19. Because he pretty much turned their backs on them. And now they're doing the same to him. So now he thought that he could just bribe them with a $200 cash card. One lady on Twitter was like, great, that'll take care of one of my medications for one month. You know. The real problem with seniors right now in their health care is not their health care, because if you're on Medicare, you're doing great. I mean, my dad is on Medicare. The only bad thing about Medicare is that it does not cover dental and vision. So my sister had to get him a supplemental plan to take care of that, because for a while, I didn't know that he was paying it out of his own pocket. And then my sister got him a supplemental plan to take care of that. Or but, he could go to American Eyewear and for two if you get two pairs of glasses and your eye exam for $69.99, that's American eyewear. And that's $69.99 for two pairs of glasses and your eye exam. For progressive lens, it'll be $99.99. Yeah. Well, you could do that. <laughs> but uh, the thing that's murdering seniors is uh, healthcare costs. Well, I mean, like I said, not Medicare, but they're, uh, but meds because of course there are laws in place that prevent Medicare from negotiating with, uh, with the pharmaceutical company so they can keep making that top dollar and they make a lot of their money off of seniors, you know, because a lot of seniors are on, you know, are on some sort of medication. So he thinks that that $200 is gonna be 
enough to sway their vote. It's not because they pay way too much in medication anyway. And like that woman said, that's going to be, that's going to take care of one of her medications for one month. Is that $200 a month? No, a one-time $200 cash payment. Because it's Trump, you know, he's cheap. <laughs> you yeah, the- have to be cheap to be a billionaire. That's how it works. You, you know, you, you use your money wisely. Well, in Trump's case, you use other people's money wisely. He doesn't really have any money, but that's another matter altogether. So my thing is this, okay? To them, to the Republicans, okay? And, and here's the thing about Bloomberg's uh, offer to pay all these fines. There's no affidavit to be signed, which means that he pays your fines. You can vote for whoever you want. So if you wanted to vote for Trump, you could vote for Trump. Now, I guess Bloomberg's goal is he figures that most of these people would probably vote Democrat, but he knows that they're all not going to vote Democrat. That's not realistic. But the thing is, and this is a proven fact, you know, they, they run the numbers. In elections where more people vote, Democrats usually win. When less people vote, when, when there's less turnout or a large amount of voter suppression, Republicans usually win. Look at, look at what happened in Georgia with Brian Kemp when he purged hundreds of thousands of people off the rolls. And he still barely beat, uh, he, he still barely beat his opponent. Now, I, I will say this about Republicans. And I know I rag on Republicans all the time. I have lots of Republican friends, okay? But the Republican Party as a whole is, they're basically the most anti-democratic people of all time because they only want democracy if you're voting for their guy. If you're not voting for their guy, then they will do everything in their power to stop you from voting, throw every hurdle in your way to stop you from voting. The people spoke in Florida. Okay, so this wasn't a law that was passed by the legislature. This was something that was on the ballot and the people spoke and the people said, hey, listen, if you've done your time, if you've paid your debt to society, then you can come back to society. But the legislature didn't see it that way. So they, they threw a hurdle in the way to stop it. And that's, very, that's undemocratic. They really just don't want to, uh, you know what? I was watching uh, The Boys, the season two finale. And I'm not going to spoil it because if you're into that sort of thing, it's, it's actually a great show, but it's not for the kids. <laughs> oh my God, no, it's not for the kids. Matter of fact, your kids shouldn't even be in the same house with you when you're watching it. But um, one of the characters said something, you know, she is a, uh, a literal Nazi. I don't want to, that's as much as I'm going to spoil, but she was telling, uh, she was telling people, people love what I have to say. They just don't like the word Nazi. And that's actually true in this case. People, I mean, all these people who are for this sort of thing, you know, they love that authoritarian rule. They just don't want to, they just don't want it to be called a dictator or a despot or something like that. They want to disguise it as democracy, even though it's not democracy. You're not supposed to make it harder for people to vote. That's anti-democratic. And especially when you're flying in the face of the very constitution that you claim to love, which you don't because they've never read it. You know what? They should have made the amendment 
to uh, to bear arms, like the the Tenth Amendment. Because you know, once they got to the Second Amendment, they're like, "Well, that's all I need. I got free speech. I got a gun. Psh, all the rest of these amendments can kick rocks." Sixth Amendment? What's that? Nobody knows. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If you ask me what the Sixth Amendment was and my life depended on it, this may be our last conversation. But I don't pretend to be a. That's the one where you don't cover your wife's, you cover your neighbor's um, belongings. Oh, we. <laughs> you caught me off guard there for a second. <laughs> but I mean, I, I see these people on. Twitter and Facebook, and it's like they don't really understand what they're all about, you know? It's absolutely baffling. Like, they come out and they listen to Fox News and they come out with these arguments, and when they come out in the real world, they get torn to shreds. LeBron James and the, and the Los Angeles Lakers won uh, NBA Finals last night. So Obama congratulated the Lakers today. And Trump didn't. And we all know why, because LeBron is very critical of, of Trump. So in one of the, uh, the Facebook forums, somebody said, uh, talking about Trump, they were like, yeah, well, you know, um, he's got a country to run. He's got better things to do. You know? And then somebody responded back like, yeah, if that's the case, maybe he shouldn't be on Twitter for eight hours a day. You know? Like, you got to, if you're going to come out there and say stuff in public, you got to have a basic, well-formed argument. Because if you're not, I mean, liberals and, and progressives, I'm going to say it right now, we're douchebags. If you come out with a, uh, a half-ass argument, we're going to tear you to shreds. We're not going to have any mercy. If you come out and you ask a question, right, with a little bit of humility, We'll help you out. We'll show you where to find the answer. But if you come out and be like, hey, you stupid idiots, blah, 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 and you're 100% wrong, yeah, we're going we're gonna to flay the skin from your bones. We do not care. You know, they, these, some, these people love, they would, you know, they really want to be in the, in the times where they could just do what they want without consequence. And we're slowly shifting back to those times. Let's take my, uh, let's take everybody's favorite senator out of South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> and I know Mercedes is this and this because she's from South Carolina, right? Man, I was just talking to Dr. Tracy Phillips about that last night. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing. This is from Business Insider, okay? I'm not going to read the whole thing just what Lindsey Graham said about, because uh, Lindsey Graham right now is fighting to keep his Senate seat, right? So, um, all right, like I said, from Business Insider, at the forum, he was speaking at a, uh, at, a, at a forum on this, Graham spoke about his support for South Carolina police officers, but said the police killing of George Floyd in May was wrong and people should pay the price. Floyd's death and other incidents of police brutality have led to widespread calls for police reform. So Lindsey Graham says, do I believe that our cops are systematically racist? No. Do I believe that South Carolina is a racist state? No. Graham said at the event, to young people of color, to immigrants, this is a great state. 
the one thing I could say without any doubt, you could be an African-American and go to the Senate. You just have to share the values of our state. Graham then pointed to Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, the only African-American Republican in the country. You know, he said, uh, and then he name dropped, um, uh, wasn't it, Nikki Haley, who's the former governor of South Carolina. So, uh, where was my, where was my direct quote? But he basically boiled it down to, you know, you can be an African-American or an immigrant in South Carolina, you just have to be a conservative. You just can't be a liberal. You know? And once again, I know I'm dumping on Republicans. It just shows huge intolerance. Let me put it to you like this, okay? Nikki Haley, who he touted because she was a former uh, governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley's real name is Nimrata Ron, uh, Ranhata. Last name spelled R-A-N-D-H-A-W-T-A. That's her real name, okay? But she goes by Nikki in order to fit in, right? In order to, in order to assimilate. I have a very strong aversion to assimilation, okay? Especially being the son of immigrants. My parents are from the West Indies. And my parents had a distinct advantage because they spoke English as opposed to other uh, other immigrants who didn't, who don't know the language or who had super thick accents, you know? And assimilation is basically just appeasing other people because of their unfounded fears of you. If you have a, let's say your name was Nimrata Ranhata, <laughs> right? That's a very hard name to say. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced it twice in two different ways, just in the last two minutes. But you know what? If that's your name, I will learn your name. I'll learn to spell it because that's your name. You understand? I don't believe in this whole assimilation thing. If you come to this country with your customs, you get to keep your customs. So if you're a Muslim and you pray to the East or wherever direction they pray, I don't know much about Islam, but uh, please keep doing that. You know, if you if you're a, if you're a Sikh and then you wear your uh, your headdress or whatever it's called, keep wearing that. You keep doing you, because that's part of what made this country great. I always see these racists on uh, on Facebook talk about how much they hate Mexicans, and then Cinco de Mayo they're getting smashed. Cinco de Mayo could be on a Wednesday, and they're all getting smashed because of Cinco de Mayo not realizing that it's a Mexican holiday that we celebrate in the U.S. because of diversity. It's absolutely amazing. So you figure, and then Bobby Jindal, right? Former governor of Louisiana. His name is, his first name is uh, Piyush, if I'm pronouncing that right. P-I-Y-U-S-H. But somehow he had, to, he, had he got Bobby <laughs> from Piyush. And uh, Tim Scott, who's, a, that is his real name, by the way. His name is really Tim Scott. I looked it up. Um, he's a conservative, and yet he constantly spoke about being stopped by the police on multiple occasions. Now, I will say this about Tim Scott. I'm not a fan. 
But to his credit, he tried to pass something called the Justice Act. So it was a bill designed to make sure police departments properly document police abuse to prevent disgraced cops from getting jobs out of the police departments and by not expunging their records. For instance, uh, Tamir Rice. You know, we all know about his murder at the hands of the, of the police. That cop that murdered him had only been on the job for few days, I believe, less than a week for sure. The police department that he came from, that he was fired from, they put in their records, he is not fit to hold a badge or uh, to carry a gun. Totally unfit, but he was still able to find another job at another police department and then murder somebody within a week of getting hired. And a kid at that, you know. So basically, right. it's, uh, hey Mercedes, it's basically, okay. um, it was a decent bill, but it was basically just, uh, you know, it didn't really have any real teeth, which is why it ended up getting uh, voted down. It didn't pass cloture or cloture, whatever, however you pronounce it, which basically means because of Senate rules, you need 60 votes for these things to pass. If they don't have 60 votes, they're automatically filibustered. Yeah. So at least he tried. You know, when I, I was looking up on Tim Scott, I'm, okay, I'll give him that. It, it's a base, it's a, a watered down version of it, but at least he tried. Going on his own experience of always being stopped by the cops. He needs to get stopped by, by Capitol Police even after he became a senator. But that, but those are still his boys for some reason. So, Lindsey Graham, you know, is in a dead heat with his opponent Jamie Harrison, and Harrison is out raising him by a lot. Matter of fact, Harrison broke a Senate fundraising record, and even with that, he's still in a dead heat with Lindsey Graham. I think they're tied at like forty-eight, forty-eight. So. I don't know if, if Jamie Harrison is getting his money from corporations or getting his money from small money donors, but you know what? I know this is hypocritical of me. To get rid of Lindsey Graham, I'll look the other way. And then we'll deal with him later. If he turns out to be another Doug Jones, you know? And Lindsey will be fine. I mean, he's kissed enough asses. He's paid his dues. He'll get a cushy Fox News job. He'll be fine. It's not like he's going to not be sadder and then be homeless in, in a year. He's going to be perfectly fine. That is true. Yeah. Now, Mercedes, you're, you're in South Carolina, right? <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you heard Lindsey Graham's uh, comments about, you know, it's okay for African-Americans or immigrants to be in South Carolina, but you just got to be, you just got to be conservative. I just feel like that statement just pointed out the blatant racism in the state. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine um, not too long ago, and we were talking about how, let, let, let's just keep in mind, I'm not really huge on politics, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, fuck both sides, but people will automatically assume because you're either black or of a certain or Hispanic or something that you're automatically a liberal. 
And I remember going, talking to a friend of mine, and also he invited me to some Republicans convention or some crap one time, and I did not go. But um, we sat around the table afterward, like a day later, with some friends of his, and they were predominant, they were mostly white, and they were having a conversation. And I felt like in the back of their mind, they probably all thought that I was liberal. I wasn't saying much, but just because I'm black. But they knew he was a conservative. They knew he was a Republican. They knew, they knew him, you know, personally. And um, there was a question that was asked at the table, um, and they actually brought up abortion. And I think they also did that on purpose because they didn't know who I was. They didn't know anything about me. Well, the conversation went over pretty well. They weren't too ignorant about it. But I really, really feel like if they didn't know him personally, they probably would assume he was a liberal as, as um, a Democrat as well. And they probably would have treated him a certain type of way. Because I feel like a lot of the conversation around the table was to see if they could pull anything about out of this one liberal sitting at the table, which I was not. Um, not either. But yes, uh, unfortunately, what he said is, I feel like what he said is true. Um, it's just, I think it's kind of a, what comes with living in the South, all these red states down here, kind of is what it is. I, I wouldn't say that would just be South Carolina. I think that would be Georgia, anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's sad that the South has that stigma. Of course, I live in North Carolina, and which is as far south as I'll ever go. <laughs> I, I have, uh, and only because there's North in the title. So I still feel like I'm in the North, even though <laughs> is in the South, obviously. Um, I have family. Uh, actually, I have uh, a brother and a sister. And, you know, my nieces and nephews, they all live in Georgia, you know. And uh, my niece is married to someone who is uh, not black. They got kids. So they have biracial kids. And I worry about them just because of the state they live in. So if they lived in Oregon or if they lived in like, uh, I'll even give you Pennsylvania, you know, where there's a little bit more tolerance, I could actually breathe a little easier. But they live in Georgia, you know. And Georgia is not really the most tolerant place, but his demographics are shifting. You know, there, there is even, there's been talk for the last 10 years that Texas is going to flip blue. Now, if Texas were to flip blue, that'd be the end of the democratic party as far as presidential uh, politics go, because you figure Texas has the second, what the, like the second most Electoral votes. Electoral vote, yeah. So you figure California has the most, New York has a third, Florida is a swing state, it goes back and forth. So if the Democrats were to get California and Texas and New York, so you're talking California, I think it's like 55 electoral votes. New York and uh, I forget how many Texas is, and then, and then um, New York, I think, is like 24, and then Florida is like 25, something like that. Florida has, a, has slightly more than New York. But you figure if they were to get Cali, Texas, and New York, they don't really have a path to victory. The only reason why they stay in it is because they get Texas, and they get some of the bigger southern states, like Virginia. Well, Virginia goes back and forth. And then, um, like, they'll get Georgia or Tennessee or, you know, Kentucky and stuff like that. But if they were to lose Texas, yeah, that'd be catastrophic for them because they'd have, they'd have almost no path to victory, none whatsoever. 
Now, I, I, I will say one thing about Lindsey Graham before I, before I go too far off the rails here. When I heard Lindsey Graham say that, right, the whole thing about the values, you know, my first thought was, well, let me ask you a question here, Lindsey. What's going to happen if we're not conservative? What exactly are you going to do about it? I mean, are you going to, you know, what's the consequence for not being, for not being a liberal in South Carolina? You, you Obviously, lynch- you haven't been to certain parts of South Carolina. Let me name a few for you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like, do you get stopped by the police more? Do you get turned down for loans or better housing? Do they spit in your food? Like what, what happens? Like it's, you know, like Mercedes said, it's, it's a racist dog whistle. It is. When, when the race is that close, they have to try to rally their base. And unfortunately they feel the only way to rally their base is through racism. Look at Donald Trump. When Donald Trump started losing, uh, supposedly started losing the white woman vote, we know, uh, come on. We know they're going to fuck this up. I'm not even going to lie, you know. But, I mean, if, if we're going by the polls and the polls translate over into real life, uh, Donald Trump's already lost. Because Joe Biden is, I mean, you figure Joe Biden opened up a lead on Trump after the debates. And then after the vice presidential debate, he opened up even more of a lead. So now he's starting to, to get a, a decisive lead in swing states. Let me tell you something about polls. Who are they really interviewing? I mean, I've never taken a poll regarding politics, and I know I'm not going right. to the way certain things go. Yeah. But that leads me to another discussion, because I guess, you know, she's a very busy woman. Dr. Tracy Phillips would like to tell us about her recent trip to D.C. Dr. Tracy. Hi, everyone. Um, first of all, I didn't ask to be told to tell anybody I was invited. I thought I was just going to be listening. But um, <laughs> so I guess I was I was uh, voluntold, I guess, to tell about my trip. Um, oh, yes, yeah, I, I found it to be so interesting. I just feel like <laughs> more people should know about it. And what other way they let yeah. it be shown to a show that actually gets 20,000 unique hits every single episode. I'm nice and thank you for that. Um, first and foremost, I, I appreciate your last comment, which is who are they polling? Um, if you remember in 2016, the polls were identical for Hillary and Trump. So I don't follow polls. I don't, I have, I give absolutely no credence to them simply because they are usually done. And this is on both sides um, is that they handpick people they handpick who they want to poll and then they put it out there. And I think the false narrative there is that uh, people will, that that herd mentality is, oh, if everyone else is voting for this person, then I will too. Um, And that's what they're hoping they'll get. They'll get people who say, well, I don't know, but I guess I'll just follow the group. But the reality is, is what group are you following? Hmm. So I'm, I'm like you. I don't look at polls. I don't care. And if anything proves what I'm saying, it's the 2016, because at this point in the 2016 election, every news media out there, including the conservative media, was calling Hillary, Hillary Clinton as winner. And we know what happened there. So that's number one. And I appreciate that comment. Um, the trip that uh, Blue was referring to me going to was Blexit. I am a conservative. Yay. I'm also black, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> 
I'm a conservative. I'm black. And I from New York. Really, <laughs> and I'm Brooklyn. from New York, born and bred. Born and bred. And I have experienced the racism of living in New York. And yes, there's a lot of it up there. And I've experienced the ra some racism living down here. Okay. Racism is there. It's not going anywhere because it's a heart issue. It's not a law issue. And I, this is what um, Felipe was, was referring to in terms of my teaching. I used to teach social policy. I've taught policy. I've taught politics for almost going on about 20 years now. And we need to understand something. And, and the thing is, is that laws don't change hearts. They don't. You can make all the laws in the world, some of which you, you referred to in your discussion. I'm sorry, I cannot remember your name. Please remind me who was just talking. His name is Mercer Prescott. Oh. Mercer, thank you. I, and I apologize. I'm just really bad with names. Mercer. He's the host of Politry. He's the host of Mercer. I'm sorry. Again, I was, I, I was coming on as a listener. I, didn't, I was not prepared to speak today at all. That's all um, right by putting you on the spot, Dr. Tracy. It won't happen again. <laughs> just give me some forewarning. But um, Mercer, again, I won't forget again. Uh, as, you, as you referred to all of these different laws and these amendments and things that are coming forth, okay? And, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against them, but the reality mm -hmm. is, is they're not going to change the hearts of people. The people who are inherently racist for whatever reason, whether they were, they were raised that way or, or the, where they live demographically or what mm -hmm. they follow, are not going to change simply because laws have. How do we know that? Because people who are inherently criminal do not change just because there are laws against the crimes they commit. They just find ways around them. So that's how I teach, is that laws don't change hearts. And if you're looking for there to be some systemic change that's going to all of a sudden turn this country into wonderland, you are not only sadly mistaken, but you're delusional because it's not going to happen. So what we have to do is focus on understanding one another and having respect for diversity. Now, I have to say this, and then I'm going to share my trip. I've been listening to you for the last 20 minutes straight uh -huh. and very articulate. However, there's such a lack of, of diversity of thought in everything you said that I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin to, to even discuss point by point. So if I'm going to say one thing before I talk about my trip is this, if we want to stem the tide of intolerance in this country, we need to examine our own hearts and we need to recognize that every time we speak to someone, every time we broadcast, that we have to, we have to look at it and be respectful of the diverse thoughts of your viewership. Um, that's the issue that I have. It, has, it really doesn't have anything to do with conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. I love everyone. Most of the people in my life are, are liberal and Democrat. It doesn't matter to me because when on election day, they're going to do what they're going to do and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But that doesn't make me love them any less. I'm not going to dislike someone or hate someone just because of, they, of, of who they vote for once every two to four years. It's ridiculous. But when we have conversations about the other side, if we, we're, we're name calling and we're judging without knowing and we're drawing conclusions, Nikki Haley, really? Everyone on this call has called Felipe blue. Why? Is he trying to 
do something? No, I call him Felipe because he was my student and that's what I know. But I'm trying to call him Blue because I recognize he's more comfortable in that. Why do you accuse Nikki Haley of trying to assimilate simply because she wanted to be called Nikki? She was probably called Nikki growing up by her own family. But you're jumping to conclusions and judging her and, dis and, and disrespecting her and everything she's done. And you're, you're taking her and you're minimizing all of the accomplishments. She's not just the former governor of South Carolina. She's a former ambassador. She has, she's gone into other countries and she has garnered peace. But all you had to say about her was, oh, she must have been trying to assimilate because she wanted to be called Nikki. And her last name's Haley because that's her husband's name. That's the kind, I'm just using that as an example. But that's why I was sitting here listening to you. I almost hung up because I'm like, this is not a discussion. This is not an opportunity for t people to come together who have, who have different thoughts and opinions and to be able to respectfully discourse this is somebody ranting and, and just saying whatever. And it was just extremely disrespectful to me. So I would, I would recommend, I'm sorry, Felipe, if I'm going into teacher mode, I apologize. But I would recommend that we examine ourselves, especially when you're putting yourself in a public discourse. Start with yourself. Again, laws don't change hearts. But if you're looking at it at a heart issue, how are you contributing negatively to the rhetoric, to the hate, to the racism that's out there? We all want, we all want to fight against it. We have to start by examining ourselves. So I'm going to leave that there for you to think about individually and as a group. My trip this week, I went to Blexit. It was a march in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm sure you know about Blexit, organized by Candace Owens. I had the pleasure of meeting her. Um, Brandon Williams, uh, everybody, it was wonderful. There were over 2,000 people who attended of all races. As a matter of fact, the Latino community, um, theirs is called Lexit. They had hats that said L-E-X-I-T, Latin, Latin exit from the Democratic or liberal party or liberal side. Lexit is black exit, as you know. Um, it was wonderful. It was peaceful. As a matter of fact, the only issue that happened that was any, any semblance of violence was after we had finished our march, after everyone was, we had prayed, we had sang the, sung the national anthem, everyone dispersed to just enjoy a nice last evening in DC before we went home. And as we broke up and those in our group who went off to, you know, have dinner, at, when they were in small groups, they started getting attacked by larger groups of, I, I don't, I'm not going to say Antifa, BLM, whoever, larger groups. But when we were together as a group, nobody said anything. Nobody fought. Nobody yelled at us. We were just a group. What did we do? We started with um, kind of just, we all met together in the park near the White House. Uh, Candace spoke, and again, Brandon spoke. Um, there, it was just wonderful. And we, and just for about 30 minutes. Then um, the president invited everyone to come to the White House where he gave remarks. I was not able to go because I did not register for that piece at the, in time. So what I did is I waited outside and I talked to people, just, just sat and waited and people came up. There were a lot of, there were 2000 people registered and attended at least. Um, but even I sitting there, I came across four, if I remember correctly, four different families who were visiting DC, they weren't there for any reason, and saw all of our t-shirts and asked what it was about. 
And I told them, they're like, oh, we're going to march with you because they want peace. They just want unity. Um, and then after that, we did a, we, we marched through the streets. And again, we just, you can watch videos. It's all over. Um, and that was it. It was, it was just a wonderful time. The reason I went is because, like I said, I am a conservative. I have friends who are conservative who live in other areas. Ironically enough, you're talking about South Carolina. None of my friends in South Carolina are conservative. They're all liberal. So there goes that narrative, right? Um, I, my conservative friends don't live here in South Carolina. They live in other states, mostly Pennsylvania, uh, some in Georgia, all over, all over the country. I have friends all over the country, but my South Carolina friends are not. And I wanted to connect with people like myself. So I went up there and lo and behold, I did. And I was able to make some really good connections um, and just, just really feel like I'm not out here on this desert island. And that's it. That's all I have to share. I thought it was just a wonderful weekend. I'm glad. But please, please, please just have respect for each other. That's all. Have respect for each other. I'm done. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing. I really do. You know, I don't mind being checked every now and then, but uh I'm trying to sugarcoat because <laughs> you mentioned Candace Owens, who I am not a fan of at all. And, Don't sugarcoat. Uh, <laughs> I look at I look at someone like Candace Owens. Uh, I'm just gonna come right out and say it. I think she's a huckster, you know. And you are allowed to you are allowed to change. Like for instance, I I watch uh, Young Turks. Jenk Uger used to be a conservative. You know, and now he's a, now he's a liberal, you know, or a progressive. He considers himself to be a progressive. You are allowed to change, but when you change, it all depends on your story arc to me. Like, for instance, there was, uh, you may have somebody who, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, you know, I don't remember if he was a senator or if he was a congressman, but he was totally against gay rights until he found out that his son was gay. And when his son came out as gay, then he changed his tune. And now all of a sudden he was for gay rights. Now I know what people may think that that's kind of a, a flip-flop, but you figure, you know, his son comes out as gay and he's just like, you know what, if my son is gay and I love my son with all my heart, then, you know, maybe the whole uh, gay rights thing is not so bad, you know. But someone like Candace Owens, I found her to be a huckster because with someone like Candace Owens, she used to be a, uh, a liberal. And she had, uh, she had some idea about like doxing online bullies or something like that, which, and putting their, and, and I know you know what doxing is, but for, the, for those in the audience who might not know, it's putting people's personal information, like their addresses and phone numbers online with the purpose of having them be harassed, you know, and now, I understand in base what she was trying to do, because when people are online, they're anonymous, you know, so they feel that they could say and do whatever they want to because they're anonymous. And if they're out there, you know, their real names and their real addresses that they may be more respectful, but not res but just respectful out of fear of being physically harassed or having people call their homes and all that other stuff. So um, she was pretty much lambasted by both sides, by the left and the right over this, 
So after that, she became a conservative. And she is backed by people like uh, Charlie Kirk, who I believe is a Turning Point USA. You know, and she was making a lot of statements that were like the polar opposite of what she believed in like a year ago. And I feel she does that because they pay her to. The problem with conservatives, like conservative pundits and stuff like that, is that they get paid a lot of money to do what they do. I don't really get paid to do this. I just do it because I enjoy it. I'm you sorry. Know. Can I, I'm sorry to interrupt you because you did say I could. I do have a question. Yes. Um, do you think that is being paid to say, I'm not saying she is or isn't, I, I don't, I disagree with that, but mm -hmm. do you think she's paid, do you think that is a conservative uh, system or is, because I know a lot of well-paid liberals, liberal pundits and, and media, so. Now, I, 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 sh I, should, I should clarify, when I say yeah, pundits do, like in media, do. I don't mean like, uh, like people like that are on like MSNBC and stuff like that. I know they get paid like Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. But I know they get paid millions of dollars. I'm just talking about more like YouTubers and stuff like that. Oh, but they get paid or, as well. They get, that's or, how they end up. They get paid through advertisers and, and followers. It, that's where we are now in our culture. Well, is, and, and, and now I understand that part of it, uh, Tracy. So but the thing is, is that they get back, like for instance, uh, the Blaze, which is uh, mm -hmm. not Tucker Carlson. What's his name? The guy who used to always have the chalkboard, <laughs> Glenn Beck right? Mm -hmm. uh, the Blaze was a financial mess, but because they were spreading a message that conservatives wanted, at one point, they were getting backed by billionaires. Billionaires were backing them. Like Turning Point USA is backed by billionaires. You mean so, like how Michael Bloomberg is backing Kamala Harris? You mean well, like that? It, Yes, like that. And I'll be the first person to say, I do not like Michael Bloomberg for that because Michael but I'm Bloomberg. Saying, but, you, but you're saying it's the same. So let, let's, in, let's do this. Mm -hmm. let's, this is what I always do. And it just saves, for me, it saves time and frustration. Anything that is, can be attributed to both sides of the fence, if you will. Mm -hmm. Let's just leave it off the table because we can go back and forth with you're, you're accusing um, Candace Owens of being paid. I'm j I just put out an example that Bloomberg has just, you know, she's paying, he's paying Kamala Harris. He's endorsing her. So we know that these things happen. I think um, the young lady, again, I'm bad with name. I think Mercedes, am I correct in her name? She said it. She said okay. earlier that, yeah, yep. I apologize. Yes, I apologize if I got your name wrong. But you said something very clear earlier, and I want to just thank you, which is I'm with you. I do not vote Democrat or Republican, okay? So I am not a Republican. I'm a conservative. There is a vast difference, and that's another thing. I vote my values. I vote what's important to me, and I encourage every single person to do the same. So I have certain values that are important to me, and I look up each candidate from every race I vote in, from the local all the way to the federal, and I look for those values. The reality is you're never gonna find a candidate in any way that their voting record or policies match up at 100% with you. So what I decided to do is find the three or four things that are most important to me, and I vote for candidates that way. But I do not look at the party line. And I appreciate you saying that earlier because I, I'm right there with you on that. Awesome. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. Go you're, ahead, Mark. You're, you're perfectly fine. Um, 
But going back to Candace, now, like I said, there are some people who have a, uh, I guess, I know, I know I'm probably not using the term correctly, but a story arc. Like if you watch a movie, somebody has a reason to make a change, you know, because something happened to them. Like if you watch uh, Black Panther, if you watch any, of, you know, any other movies like that, mm-hmm. that are character driven, you know, something happens and then they make a change. Like you have people who become villains because, and I'm not going to, you know, go that route to call her a villain, even though I'm not going to lie. I do kind of think she's a villain because if you're like, for instance, I have a friend of mine, we have, we look at the world differently because she's older than I am. So I grew up as a teenager in a mixed neighborhood in the suburbs in the eighties. She grew up as a teenager in Birmingham, Alabama in the (laughs) sixties. So we have a very different outlook when it comes to people of other races, you know? So I have a lot of white friends and she doesn't really understand that because where she is from, she didn't really have a lot of white friends, you know? So when I told her I'm going to go, to go see my friends and well, that's when I live in Maryland, like I, I'm going to go see my friends in North Carolina. And she was like, well, where are you going to sleep? I'm like, in the house, like they have a room for me. And they were like, in the house. <laughs> and at first, I thought she was just messing with me. Because <laughs> I didn't realize, like, oh, she's serious. But then I had to remember, she's older and has a much different experience. So I try, I don't always succeed, but I try to look at other people's experiences when it comes to what they do. Now, if you're a liberal and you become a conservative, you know, I can understand that. I have friends of mine who... Uh, who voted for Trump directly, you know, because the Democrats failed them, you know, they lost their jobs. Then, you know, they lost, uh, one of my friends lost her pension, you know, because the Democrats, when they were in power, did nothing. And I didn't even have to tell her I forgive her because I'm like, I, I understand. Because you had Hillary who was just talking the same old mumbo jumbo. You had Trump, even though I knew he was lying. At least he was saying he was going to do something. And that's how she, and she voted for Trump. Does she regret her vote? Yeah. Do I rub her nose in it? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Because I understand. I mean, I was a Democrat all my life. And now I'm an independent. So I do still vote mostly Democrat. And the reason why I say mostly is because I do not vote for corporate Democrats. I vote for progressives. If you have progressive values... And like you said, like I vote for people who share my values. You know, I love Bernie Sanders to death. Do I agree with everything he's ever done? No. Do I agree with every bill he's ever written? No. Because like you said, no one's going to ever be 100%. You know who would be 100%? Me, if I was in office. <laughs> but I know there's not going to be a politician who's gonna, who I'm going to agree with 100%. That's never going to happen. So, like you said, you check off the the main boxes and then everything else, you know, you can leave it in the gray. But with someone like Candace Owens, it felt like because she got checked on her idea, like now she was going to switch to the other side. And now she figured out, hey, you know, I can make money off of this. Now, I know this is the part where it's going to go into the gray because I don't have the receipts. It's just the people who she follows she follows well i don't know if she's still with turning point usa i know she was very deep with turning point usa a few years back and she made those hitler comments and i I don't know if they officially cut ties with her but i noticed that after that 
Charlie Kirk and them kind of kept their distance from her, you know, but she's doing fine all by herself. She has Blexit, you know, I know she had a, a scrape with Kanye West over some semantics about some designs for something. I don't know, you know, but I've been very hard on Candace Owens because even though I am not a Democrat, you know, I feel that like the Republican party just has nothing for us. Now I know her thing is, is in that gray because she's not telling people, Hey, leave the democratic party and join the Republicans. She's not saying that. I've never heard her say that. Okay. Right. But Blexit so, um, is nonpartisan. It's a nonprofit nonpartisan. Um, as a matter of fact, just to clarify, the march in DC was not a political march. Um, the invitation to the white house was last minute. The actual march was called Blexit backs the blues. It was in support of law enforcement. And that was our main focus. And that was what we were doing is, is to show support for law enforcement, um, the overarching law enforcement community. So the, and, the, and the, I, the yeah, just to clarify that. I just yeah, want to make that clear. And I know that's going to be another area where we will <laughs> disagree greatly. Oh, know. probably. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to make one point. I think this is probably what, what Felipe, because he and I had a conversation yesterday. So um, let's, let's put the, the personal issues and things on the table. One of the things that I have been teaching that I have, I know to be true, and I, I think we can all agree, um, when I would teach, I would ask students, and these are, these are adult learners. These are not teenagers. I've been teaching in university for about 15 years is I would ask them, who do you think runs the country? And um, the first answer would be the president. And I'd say no, because look at the separation of powers. The president can only do what Congress and the Supreme Court allow. And then they would say the Supreme, the, you know, the other two, the Congress or the Supreme Court. And again, separation of powers. Um, the true people who run this country is the media. And they have been systematically taking control of the country for probably the past 20 to 30 years without anyone knowing it. Um, the news used to be reporting without any opinion, without any um, bias. And slowly they realized that the term, if it bleeds, it leads. In other words, you wanna get more viewers, then you have to lead with things that are going to attract people. And then over time they realize, well, if we're trying to attract people and we're, we're leading with only certain stories, then we can begin to influence what people think and what people believe to be true and the facts. And this is where we have gotten to the point where now you're seeing corp corporate corporations like Bloomberg, like um, Zuckerberg, um, actually influencing openly the media so if you believe that everything you're reading in the media is true, then again, naive at best. Um, why do I say that and give an example? As I mentioned, there were over 2,000 people. I know that number to be true because they have, we all had to register and, and you know, we were there. They knew we were there when we got there. Um, there were many people who joined. So I would say the numbers were probably maybe 21, 2200, give or take. Um, it was a wonderful, peaceful event. It wasn't anything that was controversial in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think it was an example, probably one of the best examples of a truly peaceful um, march 
with a united and diverse group of people. Like I said, Latino, African-American, Caucasian, we were all together and a few others. There were media from Australia that, we inter that interviewed participants, um, Korea, the media from Korea. And the questions they asked were funny because the questions they asked were things taken from CNN and MSNBC and even Fox, because I'm not a fan of Fox, um, because that's all they get. They only get the mainstream. So I was curious to see how this would be reported. And sure enough, when I opened the news in the evening, when I got back to my room, it first said there were about 300 participants and that Candace Owens and Blexit paid for the participants to attend, which is both of which are bold-faced lies. Ironically enough, they had to have a picture and the picture they showed anyone with a thinking brain could show that was, see that was a lot more than 300 people. So I say that to just say, excuse me, I'm sorry. I say that to say that we've got to be careful what we are reading, what we're watching, what we're believing. Um, as a Christian, there's a scripture that says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be afraid, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's very simple. If you want to know something, look up the facts. As you were talking about, I'm going to go back to your first point. This is how much I've been listening. You were talking about Florida and you were talking about the, uh, the bill. I looked it up while you were talking mm -hmm. and the initial bill actually says all fines and restitution. It's 200 pages. While you were talking, I looked up the 200 page bill. I didn't look up what the news reported because when I opened up initially, I had to go three pages into Google before I found the initial bill, the actual PDF. And within the first three pages that I read, the actual wording says all restitution and fines. So it wasn't something that the Republicans added in. <laughs> that was the actual bill, is that they have to pay all restitution and fines in it. I'm just saying that as an example of studying to show yourself approved. Instead of listening to the media who, they only have one role, they only have one interest, and that is viewership. That's sponsorship. They just want their numbers to be high. And they know that their numbers are high by the people who watch. And now they've gotten to the point where they just say whatever they need to say to get people to watch. So please take the extra time to look up things for as fact before. And I, I know you do. I can hear it from what you're saying. But for the viewers online, it's not so much for you all. It's the viewers online. Don't even listen to me. Don't, don't, don't listen to us. Go and find the facts. And once you study the facts for yourself, draw your own conclusions. And unfortunately now, with that- if, I, if, if I may ask. Um, yes. Two Please. things before, before, we run out of, uh, before we run out of time here. Number mm -hmm. one, uh, when you looked up the bill, right? Mm -hmm. uh, was it the bill that the legislature wrote or was it the, uh, or was it the uh, thing that the people voted on? No, so in I, other words, I closed it out. I closed it out a while ago. I'll have yeah. to look it up. I apologize. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me anymore because as okay. we were talking, I closed because, it out. Um, 
there was the uh, what the people voted on to allow uh, felons to vote okay. after they've after they've uh, you know after they complete it their was, probation. Now yeah, it was um, from a government website. To answer your question, I know it was a, a dot gov now, website. and then and then afterwards, the legislature wrote a bill to include hey, before they can vote, they have to pay all this stuff off. So if I got something in the gray in that one, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look it over again. But from what yes. I'd read, there was the people voting on, uh, hey, we can let felons vote again. And then the legislature coming afterwards and saying, hey, we're going to slap this on to uh, keep these people from, to, in other words, to dilute the fact that, hey, we're going to have 1.4 mil million more people voting hey, um, we got to slow this down and we'll let them say, hey, you have to pay up all these fines and restitutions before you can vote. So if, oh, I, got I, something, so if I got something muddy on that one, I'll, I'll look it over again. And, I'll and that's all I ask. If I have yeah. to. And then also, uh, real quick, going back to Candace Owens, there's one thing that always kind of uh, bothered me about the whole Blexit movement, right? Mm -hmm. If they're trying to get people out of the Democratic Party, why only target uh, African Americans? I know there's a I know there's a Latino version of it. You mentioned the the Lexit movement, yes. but why just target African Americans? Why Actually, not? Actually, it if, doesn't. If, if, well, it, um, but, but it's called Blexit, so it's black people leave uh, exiting the Democratic Party. Do I have that part right? Yes. Okay. So let me clarify. The term mm -hmm. Blexit comes, as you know, it's a spin on Brexit. Um, it is, it's minorities, it's not black people, it's minorities exiting. And, and it's not even just exiting, it's really just look, learning instead of just blindly following. It's not saying leave the Democratic Party per se, it's listen, again, research. Know what you're voting for, know who you're voting for. Take the time, instead of letting someone tell you what to do, and I think we can all agree, we're, you, instead of letting someone tell you what to do, whether it be your family members, whether it be tradition, whether it be someone on television, study and read for yourself and understand what you're voting and understand who you're voting for and the background. Um, the term Blexit is Black exit, yes, but it incorporates mm -hmm. all minorities not then, just African-Americans. Then if that's the case, then why just call it, well, then why not just call it something different? I'm not Candace, I cannot answer that question. So I wouldn't even begin to, but I do know that it is all minorities and all minorities were, or you know, everyone, not even minorities, we were all together. There were, there were a lot of people from all different nationalities out this weekend. It was amazing, it was beautiful. Please look at the pictures. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Now, I, I will say this, okay? And then one of the things about, you know, me not liking Candace all that much. Like I said, I exited the Democratic Party. I was registered mm -hmm. since I was 17. And basically in my high school, they let you register to vote before you were 18. You just couldn't vote until you were 18. You know? So I've been a registered Democrat since I was 17 up until 2016. After 2016, I left the Democratic Party. You know? So I, I had my own... I'm not even gonna call it Blexit because it had nothing to do with me being black. It had something to do with me being fed up with the Democratic Party's mm -hmm. nation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they always say that like when something happens, uh, let's just say uh, a black person commits a crime. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we always say is that we're not a monolith because if that black person commits a crime, 
then it's an indictment on the entire black community. And we always say we're not a monolith, but one place where we are almost a monolith is voting. Because mm -hmm. if you look up uh, the exit polls from the last 30 years, mm -hmm. right? You will see that black people vote Democrat uh, at least 85% and over. Yes. I think, I, I wanna say, um, I don't have my chart in front of me. I gotta, I gotta do my one note a little bit better where I can look this stuff up a little bit better because I have stuff here going back a few years and I try to search it and I gotta make like tags for it so I can find the stuff. But I made a chart of it based off exit polls from a few different uh, websites. Mm -hmm. I gotta get around those paywalls because <laughs> I'm not turning off my ad blocker. But um, I think the person who got like the most of the black vote in the last 35, 40 years was probably Reagan. And I think he only got like 12%, 13%. So it's, when it comes to voting, we are kind of a monolith. And mm -hmm. one of the, when I hear people like Candace and, and not just her, people like Jesse Lee Peterson and others, they feel like when they don't, when they're not Democrats anymore, that they're off the plantation. You know, because it's figures, they figure like, well, we're all slaves to the Democratic Party. And then if you're now in, in the case of someone like Jesse Lee Peterson, he's a conservative, you know. So Candace, I don't know. I know she's conservative, but I don't know her party affiliation, you know. Nor do I. But I will say this. It's basically just I think she's I mean, I know you said there's all it was very diverse, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I did see some of the pictures and I, I will probably say that. The pictures that I saw was just the people who were allowed to show up at the White House. I don't know if there's a limit on the people that they show. Now, they didn't show the people in the streets and all that other stuff. And who they did let into the White House, they weren't very diverse. You know, they had their, uh, some, I mean, I didn't even see that many Trump hats out there. Mainly just a lot of blue t-shirts and stuff like that. And the whole Blexit thing. Almost everyone went actually into the White House. I, it was, there, was only, there were only a handful of us that missed the registration. So there wasn't a, there weren't, a, there wasn't a limit at all. Everyone could, everyone was invited. I just happened to miss the registration. So I wasn't able to go in. And there was, I would say less than 20 people from the, from our group that weren't on the lawn. So they weren't handpicked. It wasn't a handpicked group. It was not, it was an open invitation to everyone. But my thing is, is that because African-Americans, you know, vote so strongly for, for the Democrats mm -hmm. and some of them do it. I mean, I'm talking about the people who I know personally. I don't know, of course, obviously, I don't know every black person out there, but I know some African-Americans, you know, in, in my life who vote Democrat because they wholeheartedly believe in the Democratic Party. And I know others who vote because the Republicans are just that much worse. <laughs> so basically, they just know, okay, well, I could either vote for the vampire hunters who aren't doing their jobs properly, or I could vote for the vampires who want to eat us. Speaking so, of vampires, I have another show I have to do. This is about gothic Oh, metal. we're sorry. <laughs> My gothic metal show comes on in a couple of minutes. I have to get prepared for that because I haven't listened to the songs yet I'm supposed to talk about. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you all for coming on the show today, Dr. Tracy Phillips, and offering your perspective. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Sin Thank you. and Mercedes and Mercer, as always. Thank you, Mercer, for doing another 
another relevant show that speaks to the hearts of what we need to talk about in this world. Thank you for Dr. Tracy Phillips for opening our eyes to a larger perspective. It's not often we can find ourselves confronted with um, black conservatives. <clears throat> I too am independent, but I don't consider myself a conservative, but I do see the more I learn, and that's the thing about being educated, the more you learn about systems, the more you stay, you still, you find yourself moving away from what you learn. Um, that's the case for me for religion, for politics, for social norms. And um, I just thank you for this, this outlet, this way of giving information and receiving information. I thank you for everyone for all they do they do. I love you, Sin, but I always have for the last 20 years. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes another episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring his shows such as Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies at 360 Degrees and Amp. That's A Man's Perspective. And one day, I got to get Sin back on board. We'll come back with our number one ever show, he said, he said, she said, <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Start from now. Don't look.